I am here with Evan, Evan Hartso, and Kevin R. Free. Yes. Of Gemma and the Bear, the brand new wonderful web series that has just been released into the world. And they're here to talk about how they created and produced and released this web series and its futures. Welcome to IRA's app. Ooh. We love Ira's app. First, tell me, what is this web series about? Yeah. All right. Gemma and the Bear is a modern humorous spin on Jekyll and Hyde, where Gemma, my character, goes to sleep and wakes up the bear, Kevin's character. Right. Gemma's a white girl, and the bear is a gay black man. They're both very attractive, by the way, and they have oh. lots of S-E-X. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this episode is going to be very sexy, so if you're um, a child or afraid of that, you probably shouldn't listen. <laughs> FYI. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah that's getting real sexy. No, I, I like that you're setting that intention. I'm available for it, and I'm excited to go there. Thank you. Well, I'm, I'm telling you, the, the, um, oh, the right. material has a lot of... It does. It does. It does. It do, it's sexy, though. It's it's a wholesome sexy material, though, wouldn't you think? I mean, I think... Um, well, what do they do in the bed? They make love and... <laughs> <laughs> they make sex faces for real, just like that. Oh, my God. And, uh, yeah, you know... <laughs> oh, my God. Evan is turning red. I can't believe they wrote this stuff and they're turning red. <laughs> There's a scene that comes up where Gemma's in bed with this super, super, super hot guy. Oh my god, yeah. And the day he came to set, he we had this whole conversation that just I could barely participate in because he was like, Well, I mean, you're not allowed to show any of my genitalia, but I mean I don't have to wear pants, you can just edit around. I was like, please keep the pants on. Please keep the pants on. I will be too distracted. Like I could barely look at him shooting the scene. I was like, your hotness is blinding. So <laughs> it is, it is in there. And it's so, certainly so not my character's point of view. And like the Hawkeye is in a very, very, very sexy web series of his own. And yeah. so when that's, when the standard is like that Hawkeye in a sexy web series, we're like, we're just medium sexy. Right. But you're right. You're right. And I appreciate that point of view. I'm just saying, it's about a person who falls asleep. I mean, I just watched episode five. I don't want to spoil it, but no, is it... We're not releasing that for another two weeks. I mean, isn't that what it's about? I mean, you just stated what the whole thing is going to be about. Uh, yes. Well, it's... Yes. About finding... About... Yes. Finding the our perfect partner for the two of us. Yes, yes exactly. Yes. So it seems to me that um, doing it and doing it and doing it well and doing it and doing it and doing it well is a very important part, especially for the bear. Like, yes. It's not as important for Gemma at all. Mm -hmm. Gemma wants the bear to stop meddling in her life, but the bear says it's my life too. We need someone. So, how did you guys come up with this awesome, sexy idea? <laughs> well, 
Well, uh, so so we've always had a joke. Every, when we worked together, started working together with the New York Neo-Futurists in 2007. With the what? People don't, people have never heard of anything. I have listeners all over the world. <laughs> <laughs> the, the New York Neo-Futurists, it is a uh, downtown theater company where we do this really, it's a really cool performance RT kind of show. And when I first entered the show, her name is Evan and my name is Kevin. Our names are still the same. And at the time, she was dating a man named Carl, and I was also living with a man named Carl. And so our joke was that we rhymed, like we literally rhymed, because she has a Carl and I have a Carl. And so when we when we sat down to start writing this, um, we decided to, to be more literal about that. <laughs> okay, I just got that Evan and Kevin rhyme. rhyme. <laughs> All right, you guys, do you get? did you get that Evan and Kevin rhyme? For real. And we actually arrive in real life because exactly. we both have Carl's. I don't have a child, but I have three cats. So they add up to like maybe a quarter of a child. Uh, anyways. <laughs> I, I, I love them. Okay. Let's just love is love. Love is love. Yes. That's right. <laughs> love is love. Hashtag. Love yes. Love. Uh, yes. love wins. Hashtag three cats. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, so we sat down and started writing it and and came up with this really cool idea that she goes to sleep and then I appear. And then we wrote it and, and wrote, wrote it and wrote it and wrote it and we wrote a whole season and we did a developmental reading and we got a lot of feedback and so we threw that away. Yes. And, and, and I completely turned my back on it and Evan said, don't you dare. We're going to do this. This is a great idea. Yeah, it's, it's so funny as we speak to people about the show to hear like Kevin's like, I didn't really think we were going to make anything. I just wanted to hang out with Kevin. <laughs> I don't know. When we threw away that first cast, I just thought it was over. Yeah. What are you talking about, it's You know, feedback has always been hard for me. Feedback like, is difficult. And that feedback was, the feedback that we got in our first season was so difficult for me because it sounded like everybody was saying, what is this? What is going on? We don't like this. And that's what it sounded like to me. And so Evan called me like the next day or two days later and said, okay, so we're just going to start all over. And I said, oh, oh, okay, I guess we are. <laughs> I love a good triumph story. Yeah. So um, what was that like? Um, what was it that you had to get over? What had to shift in you to, to, to start all over? Uh, you, know, you know, these things are like a light switch. So when, you, when, you, when you're feeling bad about something, and somebody offers you some really interesting perspective. It's sort of sort of like a light switch, and you didn't know. We or I. It often happens this way with me that I don't know that I have it in me to keep going. Yeah, but what did they hate? What did they hate? Yes, we want to know the nitty gritty. Well, there are a lot of people. <laughs> what I heard, the yeah. reason that I was not um, at all put off from our enterprise is that they were like. Well, this is just, you've made this about, in that version, it was Gemma and the bear, and Gemma was dating a guy. And at the very beginning, she tells him the secret. And then the boyfriend of the bear developed their relationship, and Gemma's jealous of their relationship. And a lot of feedback was, you've made this the boyfriend's story. I was like, well, that's not the boyfriend story. It's okay. our story. Um, but then also the feedback was, this is like season three. You need to go back and help us understand these two characters and this world. Right. And so I was like, great, season three is written. Let's go back and write <laughs> season one. Good idea. Oh, that doesn't even sound hard at all. No, it was hard for me just because I thought that it was wonderful and we had worked really yeah. hard on it. But also on a lot of Oh people, my God, he's so sensitive, I'm you guys. I love is. it. <laughs> I love it. His little heart, I can see it right now. His little face is turning red. I love it. 
my god, I see why everybody loves him. Everybody loves him. Everybody. I came home the other night and my neighbor was like, Kevin, Kevin is so appealing. I love Kevin so much. Oh, that's yeah. nice. But, I love your neighbor. Yeah. But you're appealing too. Thanks. Yes, I must say that, okay, so everybody, how, first of all, let me tell my audience, how do they take in this web series, Gemma and the Bear? It's on YouTube, mm -hmm. and it has its own channel. YouTube.com slash Gemma and the Bear, or you can go to our website, which is just has embedded YouTube videos, GemmaandTheBear.com, click on the tab that says Episodes, and you can watch all three of the episodes that we've released so far. And we'll be releasing one episode a week until all six episodes are out. Fantastic! Uh -huh. And they average about six minutes each. Yeah. So when it's all told, it'll be you know under forty minutes. minutes. Yeah. Great. And so, what's the plan on on how do you, how do you get this out into the world? How yeah. do you get viewers? And how's it going? Uh, I think for us, slow and steady is was going to win the race. Mm -hmm. We we think that our web series is different from a lot of them in that each episode has a cliffhanger. It does have a cliffhanger. So we're not, the, the series is not uh, standalone episodes. And in this world of people wanting to binge watch shows, we're not going to beg people between now and episode six coming out to watch the show. We're going to tell them about it. We're going to keep putting it out there. But once all the episodes are out, we're going to encourage people to binge watch. Because as we said, it's about 40, 45 minutes to watch our entire season. I must say it was very satisfying to be able to watch them one after the other because it just feels real natural. Yeah. It feels like just like a commercial break. It just feels yeah. natural just to watch it one after the other. And um, it this web series has such a, a wide, it doesn't feel cheap. It feels like it's like really big. Thank uh, you. There's so well, many you. actors in it and it's just like such a... Um, it doesn't feel confined or location. Yeah. yeah. It feels like really big. So how did you guys achieve that? Naivete and hubris. <laughs> <laughs> Tell her about what happened the day before our first uh, uh, shoot date. So our first shoot date. So the way we filmed all six episodes, that's the other thing. A lot of web series film episode by episode. And we did not, because we had all these locations, we filmed all six episodes like they were a film. And so all of we all by location. So it just so happened that the office scenes were our first shoot um, through my husband. Uh, he works in an office building where they had some empty office space that would was going to be rented out a couple weeks later. They said it could be an empty office space. Great. Um, and the morning before, it was Friday morning, I was at Trader Joe's. My cart was literally overflowing with craft service food because I was also personally in charge of all of the craft services. Oh, my the God. Whole shoot. She did a great job. Yeah. And I, acting? But yeah. yeah. And producing. It was yeah. not recommended. She will never do that again. Yeah. <laughs> I feel really awesome that I did it. And, like, yeah, I didn't need to be that awesome. Anyway. So I'm after I got Trader Joe's and I get an email from this woman saying, hey, your AD just sent me the list for security. Um, we have to talk because our security list to her was way too long. And I said, but everybody's not going to be there at the same time. We just wanted the person who needed to come for an hour at 2 p.m. to be able to get in and the person at 11. Um, but ultimately, she decided she wasn't comfortable with having us there that weekend. So we lost film. our office the day before we were shooting The Office. Yeah. Yeah. And so then I called my brother and I said, Ian, 
I really need an office. Can we film in your office this weekend? Because it had kind of maybe been on the table, but not clear. He's like, well, I just got this other job, and I was going to put in my notice. <laughs> but I can wait. <laughs> and so that's what happened. Yeah. So he waited to put in his notice till after we shot that entire weekend of that one location. Oh, thank God. And he was yeah. there doing a lot of... Um, and inverted extra work for us, protecting the location. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. Oh, man, I um, love family. Uh, and then we had a school. We have a school location, and our director, we have a school location and a bunch of kids. And so all of us, Evan, me, and uh, our director, Matt, Matt Scott, um, we're all accomplished teaching artists as well. So we've worked with a lot of young people, mm -hmm. and we're able to call from our lists of young people and neighbors and... Um, Schoolmates, schoolmates of neighbors, of neighbors and <laughs> schoolmates of the kids that we've worked with and schoolmates uh, at the school where, where we worked, where we shot. And so we were able to get that together. It just really, a lot of the stuff came together in a really, I would say, very a very professional way because we were able to, to call in professional business favors, I think, for, for a lot of this. Mm -hmm. yeah. So did you hold auditions? We held auditions for the role of Tom. Yes because we felt like meeting that person and having chemistry and understanding about the role was really important. Yes. Nobody wanted... else, right? That was it. No, that was it. Yeah. Okay, so um, the purpose of the podcast is to inform, inspire, and demystify the actor's journey. Yes. So please do tell me, what was it like to hold auditions, and what did you look for, and what did you learn sort of as actors holding auditions that you could share with our audience that might be helpful? Um, I, the thing that I learned was, um, you know, before, when you're casting something, and this is, I think, the first time that I've cast something that was going to be on film, I've cast plays before, is that if you have a feeling about a certain actor from the headshot or from a clip on, the, on YouTube, then that feeling is the thing that holds true when they come into the room. A lot for us, because Evan Evan was pretty sure that Debargo Sanyal, who ended up playing Tom, I love Debargo. Is he's like the best on the planet? She was pretty sure that he was going to be the guy. Now we saw these two other guys who were just as attractive and just as talented. Um, one of them was too handsome and too butch for me to, to match with her considering what's gonna what might happen in later episodes. There was something about DeBargo that was so beautifully awkward to match up with the beautiful awkwardness of Gemma when he came in. And uh, so so the, so I learned first we had a feeling about him being perfect and we were right about it. And then the second thing is we had a feeling that it wouldn't work it wouldn't work unless her face lit up when he came in the room, and her face totally lit up when he came in the room. When he came in the room for the audition, or when he came in the room for the audition? Ah, for the audition. There was, and there was just something so delightful about their energy. And so, I think the thing that I would take take away from it as an actor is to not get down on myself when I'm not cast in something, because it's really just about being. The, the egg that was necessary for that omelet that day. I see, said the blind man. <laughs> Very interesting. So, and you didn't audition for the sexy man? 
No, we didn't audition for the sexy no. man. I knew that I knew who we needed for that scene. <laughs> I just sent an email to him. <laughs> well, all right then. Well, all right. Um, okay. Yeah. So why don't you tell me, um, uh, what else do you want the audience to know about Gemma and the Bear? Uh, well, Evan has said something that I think is really interesting most of the time. It's interesting all the time, <laughs> but she has said this most of the time, yeah, is that the art that you create, you want to be relatable yeah. to, to people. You want people to see themselves in it. Yes. And do you want to elaborate yeah, on that? Just, yeah, just that in making Gemma and the Bear, exactly that. You know, I, I, I think maybe the purpose of art in the world is for us to feel connected and for us to learn empathy and to learn maybe better how to treat each other. It's like almost like role playing in our imaginations while we watch this other thing play out to help us be a good world community um, or not. But that's the art that I love that I feel passionately about tends to fall into that category. Um, and so, yes, yeah, so I wanted, I wanted people to be able to watch and see some part of themselves in what we're doing. And I, I think that there's a lot of opportunity for that in the characters of Gemma and the Bear. Um, and what we're up to, casting was so important to us, even though we didn't have a lot of auditions. Um, it was really important to us that people literally be able to see themselves represented on screen. It's a conversation that's going on a lot. Um, where So we wanted a diverse cast. Yeah. We wanted not to be a whole bunch of white people and me. Well, there's like only one white person so far, which is Gemma. Yes. And her dad. And yeah. her dad. Oh, is he white? Just <laughs> <laughs> why? Why did they make him he white? Was, he he was something else. He was playing white. <laughs> playing playing white. white. He's just that good. I did. <laughs> <laughs> I did notice the diversity of the cast, um, and I thought it was great. Yeah, I thought it was great. We're 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 very proud of it. I have to say, when we were casting, and I would I would mention names to people mm -hmm. or send pictures, Evan would write back and say, "Kevin, it's another white dude. What is wrong with you?" <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Oh right, 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 right. Sorry. Yeah, never mind. Somebody else. Here it is. Here's the next one." Well, because we have lots of great white friends, but yes. when you're a creator of a world, you have the opportunity to make the world the way you want to see it, the That's way you right. think it ought to be. That's exactly right. Well, you know, if I noticed it, I guess with the boss. Um, the bar, and I guess it felt really like New York, mm -hmm. yes. you know, it felt very much like New York. So then, uh, I guess the boss is the only person where I, where I said, Oh, this is diverse. And then I went and then I forgot. Yeah. Because it's, I mean, I think that that's, that's the point is that yeah. our world is diverse. We see a lot of different colored people uh -huh. in the world and we don't think about how everybody is a different color. We don't think about that when we see it, but when we see it in a TV show, we think, oh, oh, okay, and then we move on because it's then about the story and about the acting and mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Mm-hmm, interesting. I'm trying to think of other um, people that were in the, um, in the cast, and then we, and then we had a, like a montage of people in the bed. Yeah, and people in the office, you know, and it's it's New York, so the montage of the people in the bed. Um, most of those men are not of color, and because that must be the kind of men that the bear likes. 
That's his type. <laughs> we talked about that. Bone, we chicka bone, bone, chicka bone, chicka bone. The white people allowed would be those people. Yeah, we talked about that. Yeah, well, that makes sense because, um, you know, by the time you're in that much of the story, you figure that now this is about the particularity of the type of sexual partners yes. that these people are looking for. And that should be particular to who you like. Right. Right. Which is what you're attracted to. Mm -hmm. Indeed. Which is specific. <laughs> and the bear doesn't know. The bear just wants... But all of those men were named Carl. And all of those men <laughs> were named Carl. They were. And the bear slept with all of them. Except for one. Oh my god. The bear, man. I hope he wraps it up. He does. Thank god. He does. He does. <sighs> Keep it safe, people. Come on. <laughs> Keep it safe. Keep it tight. Tight. Yes. All right. So um, I'm like not saying so much because this is such a nasty subject, such a sticky subject. Uh oh. Sex. Oh. <laughs> With a lot of partners. Yes. 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 That makes it me think sticky. Yes. Right. Um, yeah. See, sticky. Yeah. I see. Yeah. I see. Gestures. Yeah. No more visuals. And there's a lot of I'm visuals scared. in this podcast. <laughs> a lot of faces. A lot of stickiness. You don't want to see the, the thing for sticky. Nobody wants to uh -oh. oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, so moving on. Um, tell me uh, sort of how you got started, Kevin, in show business. Oh, okay. Yeah. I will. I, um, I, was, I started out What's as a singer. background? Yeah, oh, yeah, I started out as a singer. That okay. was what I wanted to do. And I trained classically as a singer. And then in high school, my older brother was an actor, and I wanted to be just like him. And so I auditioned for the first play that I ever did, and that was the first play I ever did in high school, which set me on the path of being an actor, and that was uh, Night of January 16th by um, Ayn Rand. Ayn Rand? I don't know how to pronounce her name. Anyways, and um, then I went to school at Duke University, but I got a degree in political science. Where are you uh, from? North Carolina. Ah. I'm an army brat, though. I lived in a lot of places before mm -hmm. settling in North Carolina. But North Carolina is where my parents still live. And <clears throat> and so I moved to New York in 1995. My 20-year anniversary is coming up in October. And I do a lot of things now. I don't really do a lot of musical theater. I don't do as much musical theater as, as I think I would like. Is the bear going to sing? Uh, the Bears sang when we shot one of our episodes, but it didn't make it to the uh, episode. Is the bear singing in the um, in that little jingle? Yes. Kevin sings our theme yes. song. I sing uh, the theme song. I do not sing. It's theme good. Song. <laughs> I like the theme song. Oh, thank you. It's like a certain note that's really good. <laughs> I like good times. <laughs> this and it was written by Evan's husband, Carl. Oh my God! Yeah. Your lawyer husband writes music. Yeah, he's yeah. a lawyer accordionist yeah. composer. Is he going to be in that accordion thing in the park? No, he did that last year. Oh my God! It so was cool. really cool. I didn't even know about that. Yeah. Okay. And he's gonna he's gonna he just played um American in Paris. He did. Yeah, and so now he's um he's not the chair, but he's on the sub list to play American in Paris. They have accordion. Okay, American in Paris, the Broadway show. Yeah. yeah. He plays the accordion in the orchestra. Yeah. Oh my god, I didn't even know they had accordions and orchestras. They, uh, do. they do. Here's a fun fact I just learned, is that the accordion was the original replacement instrument. When they couldn't have as many violins and other instruments as they wanted, they could just have a few violins and put an accordion in. 
Oh my gosh. How about that? Yeah. That's, that is a fun fact. I know a lot of fun facts about accordions. We'll leave that one right there. That's enough for this podcast. This one fun accordion fact. Okay. Uh, yeah. Carl's. Carl. Yeah. That's the husband. That's the husband. So um, how did you get started in show business? I know this story, but your, our audience doesn't. Yeah. Evan. Um, I started as a child actor. I started acting when I was about four. Um, mostly because my grandfather, who was a producer and director at the time on As the World Turns, thought that I would be good at that. And I was good at that, particularly as a child actor. I was really good at showing up and hitting marks, and I really love still to do many takes. I don't know what it is about me. Like, just, okay, let's do it again and again and again. Yes. So I did a lot of commercials growing up, and I was on a soap opera, and then I kind of stopped because I was going to high school and college, and everybody around me was like, eh, you've worked. You'll always have a career, uh, which isn't true at all. So I came out of college and have been rebuilding and finding my way and have had some personal stuff going on, so I've taken some breaks. And this is really Gemma and the Bear is really – the beginning of the next chapter. Um, a triumphant return. A triumphant return, which I think is is going to be about, you know, I always just thought I wanted to be an actor. And growing up, I was not encouraged even to do singing or dancing. It was sort of when you could, when it was just cool to be just an actor, which I think is less sensible in this day and age. And by the way, singing is so much fun. I'm jealous that I didn't have that growing up. Um, but so I feel like the next chapter is going to be about how being more than just an actor informs my work as an actor and also fuels fuels me beyond what I may or may not have going on as a performer. Evan is being really modest because she was not just an actor. She was like a Broadway star That's right. as a kid. She was uh, Helen Keller in The Miracle Worker. I was. Helen Heller <laughs> in the Miracle Worker. That has to be the most dramatic kid part ever available. Yeah, to kids. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It was really awesome to do it. the The director Vivian Madelon was an amazing guide through the process. I learned so much. And I always think that's when I met Victor Slezak. That's right. Who Kevin and I have in common? That's right. We, he and I did a workshop of. Um, <clears throat> Superfly the musical. Oh wow! Together. Um, How did that turn out? Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think it's still around there. I'm not involved in the project anymore, but I think it's still kicking around. Yeah, yeah. Hi, success. <laughs> okay, so um, and let's talk about this because I think a lot of people like to know about how did you navigate this tricky water of um, being, you know, really a child star and then having to psychologically start over. So what is that like? Um, it, well, it's hard. And I think the hardest thing is, here's what. So I came out of college and I did kind of, not because I was trying to, be self-aggrandizing, but I've had a lot of experience going on auditions, 
right? And when I, you're a kid, it was when I was a kid, the agent would call or the manager would call and say, X, Y, Z, off you go. And my mom would brush my hair and put me in like a polo shirt and make some overalls. <laughs> and we'd go get tie, tie matching bows on my braids. And we'd go to the audition and I would do it. And I knew how to show up and like cold read and, you know, do the audition slate and all the audition things. Um, and I didn't understand at all when I got out of college that the work of being an adult actor is getting into that room, getting to the point where you receive that phone call from someone who's a team member in making your career happen. So I spun my wheels a bit and then figured that out um, and then figured out how to, how to get involved in, in theater and, and find my own thing. And then I think the next tricky thing is Figuring out one way or the other, for me, I think it was writing and becoming a creator um, through the Neo-Futurists. Um, yes. Originally, they really helped me with that part of the journey. Figuring out how not to have being in something or not be the definition of my success and my worth. Because, of course, once that happens, you'll never get in anything again. Right. You know, yeah. and then my last thing has been I really have needed to work on being better in auditions, you know, and I think all of that struggle kind of gave me a big case of the yips. And I've had to, to figure out how as a grown up to be a, be empowered and good at auditioning and not just kind of show up and grab the sides and hope it goes well, because that's, you know, you made way too much up to chance and not competitive. Right. Preach. <laughs> that's all I can say Evan that was so awesome yeah. I just think you just really are doing great this show is so amazing you guys I love this show Thank I think you. it's just really well done Thank you. it feels like it's on TV already Thank you. that's so nice Thank it you. really does I just, I just hope you guys get a load of viewers because it feels like it's so ready for that and um, you guys just need to write faster and produce faster because yeah. the show is so good. I mean, and us audience, we're just so hungry. We just want to consume, consume, consume. And I just yeah. want to know what happens next. Yeah. And um, I don't know if you can produce fast enough for our hungry little <laughs> hearts. We're going to do our best, though. So yeah. tell me, yeah, what's next for um, Gemma and the Bear? Um, well, we have talked a lot about season two. We are we we did a crowdfunding campaign for season one, and we have not yet talked about being willing to do that again for season two because we're not sure that we're willing to do that again for season two. So we want our publicist is working on selling it to people so that they will they will say to us, "Oh my goodness, we're going to give you a bunch of money to do a season two. So I think that the next thing for us is to sit down and talk about season two and start writing it um, and uh, and act as if we are getting a season two and just sort of make the planets align, make the universe conspire to make that happen for us. The performances are just so strong and it just feels like you guys are just getting started and that we absolutely must have a season two. Right. Because um, we just, these characters are so real and we're just getting entangled and we have to know how this all works out and how this, you know, it just has to happen. Your um, your production values are so high, the directing, the acting, everything is just so well done that I just don't see how it's even possible that um, 
that you can't have a season two. We just these characters are just and this world is just so real. Thank that you. it has you. to go on. Yes. People will manifest it. We'll just keep saying it. That's right. We really want to do more. We do want to. We love the universe. We do. It is. It's so good. And um, um, the acting is so good. Oh, thanks. Are you guys always so good? Yes. <laughs> and better. Yes. And better. Uh, yes. Yes. So I know you have dreams as the um, as Gemma and the Bear. And tell me about your individual.